we thank you so much for what you're going to do these next few moments. I lift every person in this room to you, those that are watching online. And Lord, those that will watch by television later, I lift them to you in the name of Jesus. And I speak blessing over them. I speak increase over them. I've declared the healings, the breakthroughs, the turnarounds over each one in the name of Jesus. And we give you praise. And everybody said, amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Don't you appreciate this band and praise team? Each week they take us into the presence of the Lord. And I appreciate Adam Aziz and Olivia and the team, and these musicians. Don't you appreciate these musicians? We have the best band and praise team anywhere in this region and beyond. You ought to invite some of your family and friends to come and hear them worship the Lord. Well, I thought I'd get at least one amen right there. I was bragging on them. I wasn't fussing at you. See, because you started ducking your head because you hadn't invited anybody lately. Amen. Does anybody know what time it is? Word time. The, uh, the season is changing. Sometime early in the morning, some clocks changed. And sometime early in the morning, some clocks did not change. I'm glad you're here. Are you ready to go to work? What have you lost? God is the recovery expert. There's nothing lost that can't be found. There's nothing hidden that cannot be recovered. What have you lost? There's some lost things, some lost relationships. Some folks have lost their edge. Oh, I hit somebody right there. Some folks have lost their edge. You'll get the point later. What have you lost? I want to give you a scripture today in 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. And it's a powerful verse. It's only seven verses in the scripture. But these, these seven verses have been often overlooked, misunderstood, overanalyzed or not analyzed. Matter of fact, sometimes folks will preach the scriptures before those and the ones after those. And they just leave these out. There are even commentaries that will leave these seven verses out. 
But these seven verses have been bumping around in my spirit for about three months. And I kept telling Pastor Rita for several months, I, I, need, to, I need to preach from 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. I need to talk about the, the axe head that got lost. And what was happening in verses 1, 2, and 3 is that Elisha, the prophet, had a school of prophets. Now that's strange to a lot of people. You say, can you teach somebody to prophesy? Can you actually teach somebody to be prophetic? Well, the prophet had a school of prophets. It was a school. What do you do in a school? You teach. You learn. It, it was not a school of electricians. If it had been a school of electricians, they would have been there to learn about electricity. It was not a school of automotive mechanics. If so, they would have been there to learn about engines. It was a school of prophets. So they must have been there to learn how to prophesy. Oh, it's quiet in here. They must have been there to learn how to be prophetic. They must have been there to learn about the supernatural and how to flow in the gifts of prophecy. It's interesting that many years ago they have termed churches nonprofit organizations. I know it's spelled different, but the government, the devil, the enemy does not want us to have any kind of profit or increase, spiritually or otherwise. As a matter of fact, churches are notorious for being cheap. Yeah, it's true. When I was growing up, if you were a pastor or a preacher, when I was a kid, everywhere you went, if you went to a restaurant, Sometimes they would feed the preacher free. If you went to get your car worked on, they would say, oh, you're a pastor, and they would discount it. Wherever you went, there were discounts. Of course, now nobody trusts the preachers because they think all the preachers want is your money. But I remind you, churches are nonprofit. But in these first three verses, they had a school of prophets. And the Bible says that they had grown. So more people were coming that wanted to be prophets, that wanted to prophesy, that wanted to be a part of the school, that wanted to sit at the feet of Elisha. And these seven verses, I don't have time to preach at all, but there was a lot more going on in these seven verses than meets the eye. One of the things that was taking place here was a generational transition or a passing of the torch because Elijah had given his mantle a double portion to Elisha. Elisha had picked up that mantle and received a double portion but now when he had been the 
the younger, receiving the mantle. Now he was the elder, and he had students that were sitting at his feet to learn about the prophetic. And the school had grown to the point that they said, Prophet Elisha, we are too crowded here. They had grown so much, the Bible says they were overcrowded. That's a good problem to have. And so they said, let us go down to the Jordan. We'll go down there together, and we will start cutting down beams or logs so we can build a new schoolhouse for the prophets, a place that will be larger, a place of expansion. And I told you several months ago, we are in a season of expansion. You didn't hear me. We are in a season of expansion. You can choose not to participate if you don't want to participate. That's fine. Stay where you are. But we are in a season of expansion. And I just believe that wherever we go and wherever we put our feet, God is giving us increase. He's giving us the territory. He's giving us the land. He's giving us the harvest. We are in a day of harvest. We are in a day of increase. We are in a day that God is pouring out His Spirit. We are in a day and a season of revival, and we need to be planting our feet and enlarging our tents and enlarging our territory because we are in a season of expansion. And so the sons of the prophets, the students in the school, they said to Elisha, can we go down and start cutting down the trees? So we, and back in those days, they didn't just order it from Ace Hardware or from the Lumberyard or from Lowe's or Home Depot. They had to go cut their own trees. And the tools that they used were very expensive in those days. They were not made in a factory somewhere. It was, there was no industrial area where they made all the tools that they needed. Axes were made by blacksmiths. And they would actually go and gather the ore and they would bring it in and they would put it in the fire and heat it up and smelt it. And they would take hammers and it would take hours to beat it into shape and to shape it into what they wanted into an axe head or another piece of another kind of tool. So it was very expensive. So not everybody had one. So when they're asking Elisha if we can go and he said, yes, you can go. One of them said to Elisha. Will you go with us? Look at your neighbor and say, set up. See, God is always getting you in position to set you up for your miracle, to set you up for your next breakthrough, to set you up for your faith to go to the next level. I'm preaching better than you're shouting. God is always looking for the opportunities to set us up. And so one of them said, Elisha, would you go with us? Would you leave here and go with us? Now, maybe he was lazy and he wanted Elisha to work so he wouldn't have to. I doubt it. But either way, he said to Elisha, will you go? And Elisha said, yes, I will go with you. So Elisha and the sons of prophets go down to the Jordan. And they start cutting down the trees. And one of them, one of the sons of the prophet, had his axe. 
And man, he was going at it. And he was chopping down the tree. He was working on it. And the Bible says when they arrived at the Jordan, they began cutting down trees. But as one of them was cutting a tree, his axe head fell into the river. Oh, sir, he cried. It was a borrowed axe. Notice he even used past tense. It's gone. It was. It's no more. He didn't say, it is a borrowed axe. Because if you're holding it and somebody said, where did you get that? You wouldn't say, it was borrowed. You wouldn't say that. You'd say, oh, it's borrowed. It belongs to. And you would name the person. But he's already saying, it's gone. It was borrowed. And he's crying about it. Why do you think he's crying about it? Because his life was over. The expense to purchase an axe head was way beyond his means. He was crying because he knew that he would probably be sold into slavery to pay it back. Maybe not even him alone. Maybe some of the other sons of the prophets were going to all have to be sold into slavery. That's the way it worked in those days. To pay it back. He didn't have the convenience of saying, oh, I'm sorry. Here, take my card. Run over to the hardware store and get us another one. Look at your neighbor and say, it didn't work that way. He's crying. He's broken. He knows that everything just changed. His life is over. Not only is it a financial problem, but because the axe head was gone, guess what? Construction had to stop. There's no axe to cut the trees down. You say, well, did they only have one? They only talked about one. Maybe they had more. Maybe they borrowed ten. If they had ten and they lost one, well, would you not leave the ninety and nine? And go to the one? I don't think they had but one. I think they had to share. And they only had one axe. And now it's past tense. He cried, oh, sir, it was a borrowed axe. In other words, it's gone. It's lost. There's no hope to get it back. He didn't have a scuba set to put on, and if he did, it was a muddy Jordan River. Even if he had gone diving to try to find it, the possibility of finding it was slim to none. The chances that he would ever recover it, short of a miracle, were zero. So he knew, that's why he's crying, he knew the circumstances were bad. He knew this was not a good situation but the prophet of God said to him, Elisha said, where did it fall? The man of God asked. When he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it in the water at that spot. Now just stop right there. If you had been there and you have all this confidence in the man of God and you go to him broken, 
crying, distressed, discouraged. And you say, what am I going to do? I lost it. It's in the river. It's gone. It was borrowed. What are we going to do? And the man of God says, well, where did you, where did you lose it? And he says, right there. And he pulls out his pocket knife. And he cuts the stick. And he says, where did you lose He said, right there. He goes, oh. You're thinking, this man has lost his mind. What is that going to do? Now, the naysayers, the unbelievers, would say, well, that, this, this story was, it was really not just like it was. The naysayers, the unbelievers, would say, he must have took a stick and went where it was and kind of fished around and said, oh, there it is, let me pull it in. And he's dragging it in. That's what the unbelievers would say. They're the same ones that said when, when the Egyptian army was chasing Moses and somewhere between 2 million and 6 million Israelites, the theologians can't decide how many there were, but there were at least 2 million. And they got to the Red Sea and he held up his staff and the waters parted and they walked across dry ground. And then here comes the Egyptian army behind them and they followed them in. The naysayers, the unbelievers say, well, they walked across in ankle-deep water. Okay. Then all the horses and all the soldiers from the Egyptian army that came, they all drowned in ankle-deep water. Make up your mind. Did they walk in ankle-deep water? Or was it a miracle and the waters were parted and they, there were walls of waters? They walked across on the dry ground and then when the army came in behind them, the waters came down and they all drowned. You cannot have it both ways. Either you believe or you don't believe. And here's what we do. We read it and we think, well, that's reasonable. That could happen. Okay, I believe that. And then we read other things and we hear other things. Don't, don't lose me now. Listen to me. We read other things. We hear other things and we go, oh, that could never happen. I don't believe that. I believe it. From index to maps. I believe it from cover to cover. And Elisha, the man of God, said, where did it fall? And he showed him the place, and Elisha cut a stick. Now, the stick is significant. The stick was made out of wood. What was the cross made out of? They put him on a cross made of wood. So we have something going on here that's symbolic. Elisha is saying, this axe head is lost. Just like humanity is lost. Souls are lost. Sons and daughters are lost. Nations are lost. People groups are lost. And John 3.16 said, God sent his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And they put him on a cross. They hung him. They nailed him to a cross, a wooden cross. And it was there that he paid the price where they crucified him. And he said, it is finished. He did it all once and for all. And when Elisha cut the stick and threw it in the water where the axe head was lost, he was making a prophetic act. He was teaching 
the sons of the prophets. He was prophesying with his very act. He was doing symbolic action. He was prophesying. He didn't say a word. He just said, show me where the axe went in. Show me where the axe was lost or the axe is lost. And he said, right there. So he cut the stick the wooden stick, and he was looking down through the tunnel of time. He was looking in a prophetic sense to a time when the cross, the wooden cross, would be there and Jesus would be hung on that cross and he would pay the price for all of mankind. And he threw it in the water where the axe head was lost. Reading on, then... The axe head did something supernatural. One translation said the axe began to swim. See, some of you are not even believing that. That's why you need to read the translations. Read it. Dig into it. See what the word is in the original language. It said the axe head began to swim. You say, well, an axe can't swim. It has no arms. It has no feet to kick with. It has no fingers to put together. It cannot swim. But the Bible says the axe began to swim. The axe head, the iron, began to swim. This translation says, Then the axe head floated to the surface. Whether it was swimming or whether it was floating, let me tell you something. Iron axe heads do not float. They do not swim. Even with this wood still on it, if you drop this in water, guess what? It will go to the bottom. The weight of the axe iron is heavier than the wood, and it will pull it under, and it will go to the bottom. But the Bible says the axe head floated to the surface. It swam to the top. And it's bobbing on the top of the water. And the prophet said, grab it. (laughs) And the man reached out and grabbed it. But you got to get the picture. This was his dilemma. He had lost the iron. He had lost the axe head. He had lost the cutting edge. He no longer had anything to cut with. He had a handle. But you can stand next to a tree and hit that tree for years. With a wooden handle like this. And without your edge, without the iron, without the blade, the tree will not fall. You'll probably tear up the handle. But it will not fall. Revelation 2 says, I know all the things you do. Jesus talking. I have seen your hard work, but I have this complaint against you. You don't love me. Or each other as you did at the first. Look how far you've fallen. Turn back to me. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. See, what happens, little compromises. Do you think that 
He started and the first time he swung the axe, do you think that the iron head came off and went into the water? It gives us no indication that that was taking place. But as he worked, as he labored, as he performed the task, the axe head began to get loose. Now Judd's over here and he can probably tell you exactly what you need to do to tighten it back up. Sometimes I guess you have to put something in here to spread it out. Nail it down in there and spread it out and tighten it up. Because if you don't, it will come loose. It wasn't born this way. Somebody made the axe head and somebody cut the handle and the two were joined together in a marriage. So now they have a tool called an axe. But the axe head got loose little by little. And people of God, sons and daughters of God, you don't just wake up one morning and go, uh, I think I'm going to backslide today. <laughs> Doesn't work that way. Little by little. You get too busy. You miss your Bible reading one day. Then it's two days. You don't pray. You skip church just a few times, but you plan on getting back in. And when things are going real good, people seemingly don't need God. They forget about God. It's in tough times that we cry out to Him and say, Oh, God, help me. It was borrowed. But the compromise takes place little by little by little by little until we lose our edge we lose the cutting edge and you see the axe represented strength it represented power it represented authority I remember reading about Samson who had strength he had power and because of that, he had authority. But he played with God. He played with sin. He played with Delilah. Come on, somebody. You better be careful whose lap you lay your head in. And little by little, he was losing his edge. He kept giving a little bit of the secret away until he had lost it. And then he thought he would stand up and shake himself as before. But the anointing was gone. And the Bible said that he didn't even know that the Spirit of the Lord had left him, was no longer there. Because it happens little by little by little. We, we feel irritated and tired and frustrated until we have lost our cutting edge. And when you lose the axe head, and all you have left is the handle. You've lost it. So he was right to say, it was borrowed. It's gone. It's over. Because in reality, in the flesh, which is where a lot of people live, Christians, he thought, my life is over. What can I do? But in the spirit, he needed to prophesy. 
It's a good thing he was a prophet in school. It's a good thing he was there to learn, to receive. And it's a good thing that God had set him up and somebody had said to Elisha, will you go with us? And Elisha said, yes, I will go. There was a divine setup that, was taken, that had taken place. So how do we get it back? How do we get back that which was lost? First of all, we have to admit that it was lost. Revelation 3, again to the churches, I know your works, that you're neither cold or hot. I wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich, I have become wealthy, and I have need of nothing, and do not even know that you are wretched and miserable and blind and naked and poor. That describes the American church. That verse, write it down. Snap a picture of it. Go back and study that chapter. Study those verses. It describes the American church. We're lukewarm at best as a body in America. They get 100,000 people to go to a ball game on Saturday. In multiple states, millions of people, billions of dollars spent. And if you have a church service, people can't go and sit for an hour. God forbid if you go a couple hours and you go overtime and you go past 12. If you're taking medicine, it's 12.02 right now. But God forbid... People don't want to go to church. They'll say, church? I hadn't been to church in a long time. Or I go to a home church. Because I got hurt at the church. Uh Uh-huh. You lost your axe head. You lost your axe head. And when you lose your axe head, your life is over. Without a supernatural intervention you're on a downward spiral oh you're not you're not hearing me don't get mad at me i'm telling you the truth when you stop doing the things that you're supposed to do it's the little foxes that spoil the vine when you stop doing what you're supposed to do when you stop reading this book when you stop praying when you stop coming together to worship when you stop worshiping when you become judgmental and critical And start talking about the past and the way it used to be. You've lost your edge. You are in trouble. And you are only swinging a handle with no blade. You are going through the motions. You might sing a song here and there. You might show up some Sundays. You might read one day during the week. You might do some of the things. But if you've lost your axe head, your life is on the way to being over unless you get a supernatural intervention and turn it around. Come on, somebody. So how do we get it back? We have to admit that it was lost. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We have to admit that we are lost. And we are sinners that need to be saved. And then we have to remember where it came from. The son of the prophet said, it was borrowed. I didn't pay for it. It wasn't mine. 
I didn't pay the price. I didn't have the capacity. I didn't have the means. But I did have a relationship, and because of the relationship, somebody say, it's all about relationship. Because of the relationship, I was able to borrow the axe and bring it down here so we could get into the mode of expansion and cut down some trees and build a larger place for the school of the prophets because God wants us to increase. God wants us to expand. He always wants us to increase and expand. We are never to become stagnant. We're never to stay in one place. We're never to say, well, I've arrived. I'm here now. I've got this building. I've got this house. I've got this building. No, 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 no. We are always supposed to be in the mode of going to the next level, learning something new, teaching somebody else what we've already learned. We are to grow and expand. Somebody shout yes. We have to remember where it came from. And the son of the prophet said, it It was borrowed. Again, he used past tense. I wish he had learned enough that instead of saying it was borrowed, I wish he had learned already that his life follows his words. I've been trying to teach you for almost 20 years here at Metro Tab that your life follows your words and what you say is what you get. And the Bible says life and death is in the power of your tongue. But yet, situations occur and you'll stay. You'll still say, oh, you're killing me. They're not killing you. My head is killing me. Your head's not killing you. We say things. And we haven't learned from Job 22 to declare a thing that it might be established for us. So we declare negative things. Quit putting that junk in the atmosphere. Quit quit declaring your kids are in their terrible twos or their terrible threes. They're in their tremendous twos. They're terrific threes. Come on, somebody. Quit declaring that your kids are drug addicts. Quit declaring my husband will never be saved. My wife will never be. Quit declaring that. Declare. He's going to be saved. She's going to be saved. My kids, God's turning them around. I'm praying for them. They're covered by the blood. Remember where it came from. It is borrowed. Not it was. It is. It didn't vanish. It didn't go into outer space. It didn't go off the planet. You might not be able to see it. You might not be able to touch it. It might seemingly be beyond your reach, but it's still borrowed, not it was borrowed. You would use the word, it was borrowed, when somebody says, where did you get that? Oh, I took it back. It was borrowed. But it's back where it belongs. Trying to teach somebody something. Remember where it came from. So how do we get it back? Admit it was lost. Remember where it came for, from? And return to where we lost it. When Rita's dad was living, he used to teach us. And he told us once about a train that used to run behind their house. Because they were on the south side of town, on the other side of the tracks. 
If you're older, you might know what I'm talking about. And he said, one day, the train came through there. They could hear it always. They didn't pay attention to it. They had gotten used to it. You know how that works, don't you? But one day, the train came through, and there was a problem. Something happened with the track, with the train, and it derailed. It came off the track. So he watched this process. And he said at first he wondered, would they come with some big trailers and trucks and cranes and lift them up and pick them and put them on the train and, or put them on the truck and carry them off somewhere to repair them? But he said that didn't happen. He said they brought men. They did bring a crane. They brought tools. But they set the train back up. They put it back on the track. And they repaired it where it derailed. See, people get hurt in the church. And they leave the church. Because they're hurt. Because they're wounded. Because church people kick them to the curb. And we shoot our own wounded. We judge them. When they sin, we criticize them and condemn them when they mess up. Except for the grace of God, there go I. We need to restore people in the church, not kick them to the curb. Because your Bible says in Romans, all have sinned and come short of God's glory. So when you start criticizing somebody else for their sin, for their life, and you start pointing a finger, there's three more pointed back at you, and you've done just as bad. Come on, somebody. You return to where we lost it. And so that's when Elisha said, the prophet said, the man of God said, where did you lose it? And he said, right there. And it took a supernatural process to get it back. So he cuts the stick, symbolizing the cross, that's going to save all humanity. He was looking down the tunnel of time prophetically. But he cast the stick in where the weight, the iron, had dropped into the water. As if to say, this stick, this cross, will save it. And supernaturally, only explanation, it floated back to the top supernaturally I need to tell somebody today you can get your cutting edge back it really doesn't matter where you've been what you've done who you are if you will humble yourself in the sight of the Lord he will lift you up if you will confess your sins he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness you can get your edge back you can get your anointing back you can get your life back you can get your ministry back you're not about to be sold into slavery the rest of your life to pay for your sin and to pay for your debt and to pay for your mistakes but I need to tell you there is a supernatural process that God did when he sent his son and he died on the cross and that cross is working today that crucifixion that resurrection is working today so you can get your edge back admit that you are lost remember where it came from return to your purpose and God will supernaturally put you back 
where you need to be. I'm reminded of the little nursery rhyme we used to sing. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men could not put Humpty Dumpty back together again. And we accept that. And it's been buried in our psyche for a long time. But I need to tell you, you're not Humpty Dumpty. And we live in a world with a supernatural God that can take your brokenness and your pain and your circumstances and your situation and he can put you back together again and he will leave some scars to remind you of where you came from and what he did, but he can put you back together and bring total healing and total restoration. The axe head began to float and the prophet... Not the non-prophet, the prophet. The prophet said to the prophet in training, there it is, grab it, pick it up. It's not lost. When I was a kid, my granddaddy used to take me fishing. I've told this story before, but it's very apropos to a floating axe head. And he used to take me to Fort Gaines when I was a kid. He used to take me to the Flint River in Albany, Georgia, and they had a dam that would go across. And it probably wasn't much longer than this building, if it was even that long across. And sometimes we would go down to the bank and we would fish right next to the dam on the, on the bank. And occasionally he would take me up on the dam and we would sit on the dam, literally, and fish down in the deep water. On this particular occasion, I was not with him. And those of you that don't know, my granddad was a pioneer preacher. He organized 67 churches in his ministry. God used him for every imaginable miracle. He prayed six and eight hours a day the last years of his ministry, even after he was retired. He raised three people from the dead, and every imaginable miracle you could imagine, God used him to perform those miracles. He was 90 years old. He never used any medicine a day of his life, never took an aspirin, never took cough syrup. He was sick many times, but he always just prayed, and God healed him. And on this particular day, he loved to fish. He had gone fishing, and he was sitting up on the dam where I'd gone with him many times. And he had a brand new rod and reel. And he was fishing with it, and he wanted to change out his artificial bait. And he was switching it out, and when he did, he dropped it. And that brand new rod and reel dropped down where there were tens of thousands of gallons of water coming over the dam. And in the natural, you would say, we lost it. It was lost in the water. It's gone forever. We'll never get it back. But not my granddaddy. My granddaddy was a man of faith. <laughs> he said, bless God, 
I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not losing my brand new rod and reel. He climbed down off the dam, went over to the bank, got his old rod and reel out, took the bait off, put a hook, a hook on the end of it, and he stood there on the side of the bank where he had lost the rod, where it went, where it fell. The last time he saw it, he prayed a simple prayer. Father, help me to get that rod and reel back in Jesus' name. So help me, true story, he cast one time and started reeling in. And he hooked something and he reeled and he reeled and he reeled until it came right up to the bank where he was. And that hook had caught the eye of the end of that new rod and reel. One cast. And he pulled it in. And he got it back. Now you would say, oh, I don't believe that. I don't care what you believe. You can, you can not believe it if you want to. But when you have a dilemma in your life, when the axe head in your life goes in the water, and it's borrowed, and you need a miracle. You'll remember this message. You'll remember this axe head. You'll remember that fishing line and that rod and reel. And you'll remember that I told you in Job 22, verse 28, to declare a thing that it will be established for you. You'll remember that I said on this day, if you can believe, all things are possible. If you'll only believe. You'll remember on this day where I told you the Word of God says, if